0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Make It Stack podcast. I am your host, Will Waterhouse, and this podcast is designed to help demystify the world of saving and investing for young people. So, in today's episode, I'm joined by Wes and Jack, aka Investing with Wes, and Zebu the Great on Instagram. Both these guys are value investors, so they conduct their own research, ultimately to try and find companies that are trading at a discount to their intrinsic value. So in the podcast, we talk about their own portfolios, their current stock picks, the lesson they've learned over the past few years, especially with the the recent growth sell-off, and an introduction to special situations and how investors can use this methodology so without further ado let's get into it okay guys um thank you very much for uh coming on the podcast um thank you for bearing with me with, <laughs> with the audio problems that we've, which i've just been having um yeah so investment wes and zebu the great uh, welcome to the podcast
1: thank um, you thanks man. for having me on again
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so the I guess the first question I had is is for you, Jack. What is Zebu the Great?
2: Honestly, it's just like it's just like my online name, you know. I didn't really wanna start building followers like and have them know my personal like my personal life, so I kinda just made this online name. Um
0: yeah. so wait so what what is what is zebo what what is what is that just like a random name
2: yeah literally just like one day i woke up and i was like that sounds cool just run with it you know
0: yeah man exactly great stuff and then investment wes the 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 big name on campus in the in the value investing community (laughs) on instagram Uh, it's it's great to have you back
1: oh thanks i appreciate it
0: (laughs) um yeah so I guess I'm I'm not sure, um, Jack. If, if you kind of know what my podcast is really geared towards, but it's it's kind of about understanding people's journeys into the world of investing, and and I find it really good to hear about how you how you figured out, like about you know about putting money in the market and, and investing in stocks. So do you want to like just talk a little bit about yourself and and like wh- where it all started?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, like for me. I kind of, when I was about 16 or so, I was actually involved in like the 2017 crypto bull market. And so that was when I actually first got exposed to like any kind of, I don't know if we could call it investing or, 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 or speculating, but it was when I first got involved in, um, some kind of market. Right. Um, and then I would say about a year later, I had basically given away all my gains that I made uh, during the bull run. Um, And then after that, I got involved into like forex trading when I was about 17. But I didn't really have success with it until I was about 19. Um, And then in terms of the stock market, like during the pandemic, when there was the huge crash, um, that's when I mainly started investing, but I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I, f- I feel like most people don't really it's kind of one of those things where you you almost need to have money in the market to learn like you, 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 you yeah. i don't think you i don't think you can whilst you can read books and listen to other podcasts to, to improve your investment philosophy and things ultimately you need to make your own decisions and have some have your own skin in the game
2: yeah definitely like you need to have like capital in in the markets and then have it go against you before you even start to question what you're doing and why you're doing it
0: mm-hmm. and and so just winding the clock back to 2017 so um were, were you just mindlessly buying crypto or were you did you have any process at all back then or, or like what, what that was in absolutely... your mind?
2: there was absolutely no process no system like it 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 was literally just <laughs> i don't even know what to call it like gambling what, basically
1: buy and hope it goes up or...
2: yeah like what these guys are doing now
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and um and so what 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 have you learned you know since 2017 in terms of how to invest your money
2: i learned that um you know if you're working hard for your money you don't want to be putting it in these these things that you basically have no control over like whether that's like a risky crypto that someone could just rug pull in two seconds or whether it's like investing in a company that doesn't make money there's just no reason to risk your money in that sort of way like you can make good returns by investing in good companies and you don't need to like take excessive risk. Basically. Um, that's the biggest thing that I've learned.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, I fortunately missed out on the, on the 2017 sort of crypto mania and subsequent crash, but I, I got back in, in, uh, 20, early 2021. So I, I, I bought, I basically I got FOMO to be quite honest with you. I, I ended up buying like (laughs) several hundred quids worth of um, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I think I'm down about 30%. So, so uh, Jack, so, so right now you said you can get really good returns by kind of investing in, in decent companies. Would you be able to sort of outline your investment philosophy um, in terms of like your research process and then ultimately deciding to to buy a particular stock
2: yeah sure so um like in the research process it's mainly just screening the company and looking for red flags um because like before you can invest in a company you got to look at the worst parts um so we never invest in companies that don't make a profit the company that like if you if you add a company to your portfolio um they have to have a track record because you don't want to be going on like an emotional roller coaster with this, <laughs> with, with with one company, um, and then they have to be operating in the industry that you're comfortable with. So like, there's some, there's some industries which are a lot more stable. Um, there's some industries where like they'll make profit for like two, three years and then they'll have a a really bad period of time. Um, Wes hates those ones. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the cyclical hate, ones.
2: Yeah, he hates them ones. Um, there's obviously like the amount of debt that a company has is sometimes a cause for concern if they can't, uh, if they co- can't cover that with their cash flow. Um, just mainly a screening process of um.
0: Yeah, do do you use um a particular stock screener to? look at a wide variety of stocks and kind of evaluate them on certain metrics or or do you you're a bit more kind of targeted in in your approach like how how does does it start at the beginning
2: i would say it's a bit of both like we do use a stock screener so that um like me and wes jump on calls regularly and we might go through like a hundred stocks in a day like i'll read out the ticket to him he'll type that into Yahoo Finance. We'll have a look at their financials. If it's terrible, we'll move on to the next company within like two minutes. Um, But also like throughout the week, we might have um, different stocks, which people tell us to have a look at and then uh, we'll we'll look at them together. Uh,
0: Great, okay. And um, would you be able to give an overview of your current investment portfolio and um, you know, like, where you see that going or, or any kind of interesting trades that you've that you've placed
2: yeah so um i think my my biggest portfolio like my biggest uh companies in my portfolio are alibaba uh meta jd baidu and airtel so pretty, um, pretty china heavy yeah yeah i think um i think there's a lot of value there. Like obviously. In the worst case scenario, where you know what people are saying is China, China might invade Taiwan. Obviously, that would be that would be a tough hit on the portfolio. But um, I just think it has a really low likelihood of happening, and um, yeah, I think the risk reward is worth it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I I've got some um, Chinese investment trusts, so like they're not direct shares. And they've been absolutely battered and like the, these are pretty heavily weighted towards companies like tencent which i, I think Wes, you're pretty keen on um yeah like where's like what what are your thoughts on the on the valuation of the chinese market because we've seen such massive drawdowns mm. um and i think a lot of that stems from like geopolitical risk like do you think now's a good time to go in
1: i mean if you know if you can understand the situation in china and and the whole market in general i think it's a great time to look for some great value opportunities in china i think um if you compare it with the united states i mean you can't really you know i mean the companies in china they're more faster growing they have a lot of um great um a lot of opportunities for growth and they're much cheaper whilst the companies in the us they're, they're, they're okay value but it's it's not really um, an attractive valuation for me so i prefer to you know invest in in china it's an emerging market and i believe in the next five to ten years it, we're going to look back and it's a great opportunity and if we miss it then yes yeah, it's, it's gonna not gonna be great but yeah i prefer investing in china there's a lot of good stuff um there
0: yeah, so I'm just looking at your portfolio now. Where so you've got around a 17% allocation to Alibaba. Do you have Do you have any other Chinese stocks in in your portfolio right now?
1: Yeah, so Alibaba, um, Tencent, JD. dot com. Um, I'm looking at a few other ones, Weibo, which is the Chinese Twitter. Um, possibly looking at Auto Home, I think it's called, which is like a car dealership in China. So there's a few other opportunities I'm looking at, really.
0: Great, yeah. And so and so, Wes. Like we we were on the podcast uh, about a year ago now, and I, I feel like so much has changed in, in that period. Like, what 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 have you learned? And the same goes for you, Jack. What what have you guys learned over the last twelve months with 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 the shifts that we've seen?
1: Okay, so so what I've learned is you know I've kind of like. Taking a step back in what companies i'm looking at so you know i used to think you know gotta invest in apple gotta invest in google gotta invest in all these mainstream companies but i've kind of more geared towards smaller companies now so like your small cap medium cap you know large cap companies um i think you can get um market beating returns by just investing in them companies and the thing is i prefer companies that are less under the radar companies that are not blasted on social media or on the news so yeah and i've also um got involved with special situation as well which yeah which i told jack about and he seems to like the idea of that so yeah i'm just broadening in the way i think about value investing and i'm just not focused more on these like mainstream companies anymore
0: Ooh um what's your view on special situations could you could you just give a brief overview on what it is for for the listeners and talk okay. about why it's why it's a compelling investment for for retail guys
1: okay so special situation um it's a it's a philosophy you know started by Joel Greenblatt uh, greenblatt um so it's basically value investing with a catalyst um so what we look for these are different types of special situations so you got spin-offs you got liquidation play you got merge merger arbitrage and you also got share buybacks as well there's a few other ones but those are the ones i'm more like interested in so we'll start with spin-offs spin-offs you can if you can find like three or four good spin-offs in a year you can probably you you beat the market by ten percent so, if the market turns 10%, you probably get 20% over like a five year period. Um, Spin offs are good for if you're a retail investor. It's good for a number of reasons because when a company spins off another company, um, large funds can't hold these companies because sometimes they're small in size and it's not enough to move the needle. So, they tend to sell it. And also, retail investors will also sell this company because it's a new thing in their portfolio, they have no clue what it is. So they sell that, which provides great opportunities for value investors, because there's a lot of selling pressure, and the selling pressure will price it down to ridiculously low valuations where you're paying basically nothing for the company. And that it will take about one year the selling pressure, then after year two, three, and four, that's when you get um, market beating returns by about 10% and then you also got liquidation play which me and Jack are involved in as well um, which we're trying to find a net current um, asset value so you do um, current asset minus total liabilities and if what's left over is higher than the market cap um, that's great but we also need to find the catalyst and the catalyst might be if the company will liquidate will will liquidate the whole company as a whole and they'll distribute the remaining to shareholder and me and Jack are currently invested in one company called um, Seritage Growth Properties. They're currently going through that liquidation phase where they're going to try and sell all their real estate for $18, at between $18 and $28 a share. So that's going to be some great returns there since I got in at around $11. And then you got merger arbitrage where, you know, a company is merging together with another one and an example of this is probably microsoft and activision blizzard um with that one it's a it's a risk arbitrage so you have to be comfortable if the merger fails so if you're okay with owning the company that's getting merged then it's a great opportunity there so,
0: so in the merger arb situation, how, how do you actually make money? Like what, 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 what are the mechanics involved in, in making money? Do you only make money if the deal closes and the merger goes through?
1: Yeah. You only make, yes, that's correct. And if the deal fails, I mean, you still own a great company, but you know, it's it's more attractive if the deal goes through, but that's why it's important to be okay with owning the company if the deal fails, but it's a great opportunity as well. Yeah yeah but i would suggest retail investors should focus on having a little bit of spin-off plays in their portfolio
0: and so do you need to do a lot of due diligence this because i guess from where i'm coming from with with Mm -hmm. active investing is that you, you really need to spend the time to do the due diligence and i think some people feel as though they're going to be spending hours and hours and hours. Uh, of analysis to make a decision that may or may not even be profitable and they've got to weigh that up against putting it into say like an S&P ETF mm. for instance like um w- what's the amount of time that that goes into this research process for the both question for both of you
1: okay so with I mean me and Jack tend to do the research together with all these spin-offs so with the spin-offs right I mean I'm involved with Warner Bros I'm already familiar with the company so so great start there um I, what I usually look for is um why is, why is the company selling off so much you know what what is this new business about and stuff like that but you know cuz it's company I'm familiar with I mean the research process won't be won't take me that long um but if it's like a completely new company I've never heard of before I would have to probably dedicate a really long time to build that confidence, so, but um yeah, I'm involved with two um Warner Bros. and Wix. You know, the do-it-yourself retail um, store. Uh, the website they,
0: builder, is it?
1: Uh, no, Wix, Wix PLC. Okay. Yeah, they're the second-largest DIY store in the UK behind okay. uh, B&Q. So I'm involved with that one, and the, the Wix one. It took me quite a while to build a conviction, but yeah, I'm in it now. Um, I like. The, I like both opportunities and hopefully in the next three years um, they've given me good returns. Great. Jack is there anything you wanted to add there? Yeah honestly
2: like me and Wes we do, we do a lot of the the work on the same calls together so like he's in on Wix, I'm in on Wix, we've got um other guys in our, in our friend group which we, we pretty much have a very similar portfolio and like if one of us likes it chances are like all of us like it so um
0: (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i guess i guess you
0: want to you want to make sure that in these group chats it doesn't turn into a massive echo chamber yeah like i think i think like i think this is really important and it Mm. even happens in the institutional world where you have you know like a fund manager that's you know historically (laughs) provided really good returns to investors and then his colleagues don't feel like they can speak up to challenge his investment thesis. Yeah. Um and um quite quite an interesting one. Um have you heard of Bailey Gifford, the fund manager? No. All right. Well anyway, there's there's a there's a fund manager, Bailey Gifford, and they they manage um, uh a an investment trust called Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Mm. Uh tickers SMT and it it's it's provided something like a 2000% return over the last 10 years. Um, And the reason for that was that the, the portfolio manager had a bit of a rogue approach in terms of choosing, um, companies to back macro themes. So they went really heavily in on Tesla and Amazon 10 years ago. And so they've done super well off that, but, but obviously, you know, everything that comes up m- must come down at some point, uh, like to an extent. And the, and the chickens came home to roost. And I think this year there's mm. been, been a pretty hefty drawdown with, with the growth sell-off, mm. uh, that we've seen. Um, but there were stories of, you know, him like not wanting to attend meetings to like discuss investment decisions he kind of just expected everyone to, to kind of agree with, with, with his, his current stance. So yeah, I think, yeah, going back to you guys, I think, it's yeah it's important to seek out people that almost disagree with you to an extent
1: yeah yeah in a group chat that we all have um for example um i like investing in retail but the others won't so you know i kind of they'll tell me what they don't like about the company so it's it's not really like an echo chamber and for example like a company we looked at like coles right me and jack um we what we did, we spent all night, you know, listen like the pros and the cons. I could actually show you now if you want. Yeah, sure. Okay. So. Oh yeah, great. I can see that. I'm
2: so, um, I'm dyslexic as hell and I did the writing. So if there's any spelling mistakes
0: or words spelled weirdly. <laughs> all
1: right, then. So, and that's um... so
0: fine. You write it out first, then you can write it out grammatically correct later. That's that's yeah. so fine
1: so yeah this is a company we're looking at uh we looked at and we invested in it um to make sure that we're you know not missing anything Um, uh, we listed out the pros the cons and the catalyst which is the basically what will drive the share price up so what's this, this company, company was uh cold so okay. kss is the ticker symbol so to make sure you know we're not thinking of all the positive things about the company we have to also list all the bad stuff that could mess up her thesis but um, right now with this company um, so um, they're trading 21% below book value um, they got a 500 million share buyback so they could purchase around 14% of their market cap um, they, they increased their dividends um, the insiders are buying so I think it was the CEO It's a profitable business that generates a lot of free cash flow. I think when I checked it last night, it's got a free cash flow yield of around 21%. Um, Their cosmetic segment is growing. Um, They've partnered with Sephora. Um, So the cons of the business right now, um, they've kind of declined in recent years, Um, increased level of inventory, but a lot of uh, retailers are experiencing that. Um same store sales, same store sales has declined a bit. Risk of bankruptcy. I mean, the risk of bankruptcy isn't something I'm worried about because, you know, most of the debt is tied up in lease, which is not really, you know, interest paid debt. So I'm not really too fussed about the risk of bankruptcy, but I just put it there anyways. Um, so the catalyst, so what should increase the share price over the next two to three years? They've initiated a 500 million share buyback program in the open markets. Um, they had a takeover bid at 60 and $70 a share, which they, which they declined as they feel that their business is worth more. Um, the company's trading at around $29 a share. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, they're trading below book value, um, potentially selling real estate valued at 8 billion. So the real estate portfolio is around 8 billion but the market cap is around 3.5 billion so the company said they're going to look to monetize that so they're going to sell off their a bit of their real estate to maybe fund more buybacks maybe increase the dividends as they're looking to you know generate a lot of unlock a lot of shareholder value um and then jack this is jack calculating the liquidation price if it was to get to that and i think he said he valued the liquidation price around $45 a share. So, yeah, this is what we like to do when we're looking at companies. We like to, you know, wear the pros and the cons. It's not every time, you know, um, we take an opportunity, like, um, for example, ASOS and Boohoo. Um, Jack was interested in that, and I and I literally said, it's not really not really for me, you know. I mean, it's it just too looks confusing to me. So, yeah, we do like to, back and forth on these different companies
0: yeah yeah great um yeah you mentioned ASOS and Boohoo mm-hmm. uh, I noticed that you did have ASOS in your portfolio and you subsequently sold it is that right
1: yeah I was tracking it and then after when they had their last quarter I just decided to get rid of it as it wasn't something I was gonna put anything in it so yeah
0: so so what was it about their quarterly results that that that, me, that made it so that you wanted to sell them because like just because you don't want to allocate any more money to a stock doesn't necessarily mean you should sell it right
1: um no i mean because i was just tracking them for just to see you know because i was just trying to see you know the what what they can do in, in like the next two quarters um one the first quarter um they did okay then the second no the first quarter they did terrible then then i decided to keep holding it to see what happens next quarter and then next quarter their margins are got destroyed um i don't even think they've um they got a lot of supply chain issues they just got a lot of issues where their margins is probably at one percent now so i decided there's just better opportunities out there instead of me you know building a meaningful position so yeah, I'll, sometimes I like to build like a small position to track the company, so I don't forget about it. And yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm still holding ASOS where's
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember uh, you talked to about it.
0: Yeah, I'm down. I'm down eighty percent.
2: Oh man! But
0: I only, I only, I only put in like, you know, about two hundred and fifty quid in it. So, or maybe three hundred. Mm. So I'm, I'm, you know, in absolute terms, it's not too bad. Um, yeah. But but yeah. It, like what I think we've talked about this before and it doesn't sound like it's going to be an issue for you guys, but I think the, the proportion of your due diligence as an investor should increase Mm. with how active you are. So if you you have a very passive approach, you know, with like global ETFs, say Mm. you don't necessarily need to do that much ongoing sort of monitoring, Mm. but, but for people that are say picking funds or even, even further along the spectrum, picking stocks like you guys are, you mm. like it is in your best interest to do do the research and i feel like i feel like there are a lot of people where there's a mismatch and they have a portfolio that's very active so they're buying stocks and they're holding them but mm. they're not actually doing the work on a quarterly basis
1: yeah yeah that's true i mean you got to put in a lot of work in the research you know um you can know someone's not doing a research because like the companies that a lot of people are invested in like these non-profitable ones it just doesn't make sense to me to be honest
0: yeah like jack what do you what do you think about that do you think at the start of your investing career you kind of fell into that category
2: oh yeah a hundred percent like i i really didn't know what i was doing um and also the time that i started investing didn't help as well like during the pandemic you could have brought absolutely anything bro like you could have scrolled on your screen picked a random stock and brought it and you would have made good returns because of qe so like it it, literally i had to question what i was doing and um just change it up completely
0: yeah i mean i mean to to be honest i i had a i've had a bit of a rough year really with it because i i was very i was very much growth growth tilted in Sort of going into 2021 and or 2020 with the pandemic, and I saw like everything going up, and <laughs> I probably thought I was really smart. And then, <laughs> and then like 2022 happened. And there's like rising interest rates, rising inflation, commodities are going up, like r- Russian invasion of Ukraine, and then all of these like growth stocks just got absolutely killed. And I, I didn't, I didn't. I mean, I haven't sold. I sold a cardo actually. I crystallized on like a 10 percent loss. Um, but at one point in 2020, I think it was, or early 2021, I was up like 100% and then all my gains were eroded and the rest.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like a lot of people right now. I mean, I normally do a Q&A, people are telling me they got into Square at the peak and now they're down like 50%, 60%. They got into Palantir. All oh
2: talented! don't get me started with
1: all these crazy companies and i'm just like you know there's a lesson to be learned here you know so yeah it's important you learn your lesson at the end of the day
0: yeah so so, so where's what what would you say to all these guys who are investing in speculative hype stocks now what like what, what would you tell them
1: um so you know i would say probably reassess you know are you still committed Do you want to continue to pick individual stocks if you're committed to you know picking individual stocks it's okay to completely wipe your portfolio and start again and just continue reading read about buffett read about seth carmen read about charlie munger and you have to consider value values buying something for less than it's worth and the company needs to have a track record you can't sit here and tell me you know the future of square in five years time or you know the future of you know Palantin five years time but i can sit and tell you i know the future of apple for example like apple is a track record it's not going to disappear in five years so yeah you have to consider buying something for less than it's worth and you also have to think differently from around 95 percent of people or else you're not going to do well but you know if you feel like individual stock picking is not for you then you know just do the simple thing and just index fund really but don't ever give up but you must be willing to learn
0: yeah that's very clear I mean I being humble right mm. now I'm I'm investing in uh, global index funds right now I, I think mm. I think for me right now the most important thing is just to get money in the market yeah and just to, and just to build that portfolio build that momentum and then, at some point down the line, when I actually have like a meaningful amount of money in my portfolio, I can yeah. start doing some research and then if 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 I do pick an individual stock that I have high conviction on the mm-hmm. the potential upside is is quite a lot because I feel like i mean I feel like when you when you're starting out and you've got a small portfolio, you could make a really good call, but if you only have like a couple of hundred quid in it, like yeah, you can make a couple of grand, but it's like it's not it's not like a fuck you amount of money, do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So like, for me, it's like, I think it's important to just like build, build that, build a solid core and yeah. then, start to, then start to sort of tinker with it on the side.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I also another thing I've done is bet big when the opportunity presents itself. So if you've got a company that's clearly been sold off irrationally and, you know, there's a lot of upside there, and don't be afraid to go in heavy on it because there's you don't get that opportunity, um, every you don't get opportunity often. So don't be afraid to allocate a large position to a specific company. I've done that recently with, um, uh, you know, Hibbert Sports. Um, I bet big on that one, it's done quite well for me. Um, the stock sold off for around from a hundred dollars a share to around forty dollars a share. I bought it at 45 and now it's at around 65. So it's doing quite well. Um, it's around 9% of our portfolio. So eventually it should actually overtake BABA if BABA doesn't move, which is insane.
0: Yeah, that, that is insane. Uh, I mean, that? I, I just want to congratulate you to be fair, because I'm just looking at your portfolio that you posted recently and so the S&P was down, I think it was about 14%. And you're up 8% over the same time frame year to date. Yeah. So that, that's some, that's some <laughs> serious output that you've generated right there.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I'm still down heavily on that Tencent, Baba and Facebook. So these obscure companies that don't get blasted on social media, they're the ones doing the heavy lifting for me. So yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah. And, and um so so jack uh, another thing that i'm i'm very interested in is actually um list, um hearing about how people actually go about their sort of month month to month portfolio management in terms of like the deals that they're placing and the platforms that they're using and you know minimizing platform charges like do you want to do you want to talk through where you hold your money right now
2: unfortunately i have it on free trade <laughs> um i've been waiting like more than a year for trading you two two to start accepting new clients but um unfortunately i'm stuck on free trade for now
0: what's wrong with free trade i
2: would say the stock selection um on trading 212 you have a lot more stock selection and um free trade tends to restrict certain stocks from like the basic plan and like they want you to upgrade to the thing that's uh I believe it's like 10 pounds a month in order to get access to all these stocks. Um, and I think there's actually, there's actually a lack of features to track performance. So like, I've got to basically manually calculate how much I'm up or down Yeah. instead of just having it built in. And I think it's a very, um, basic mistake, you know?
0: Yeah, I I completely agree, Jack. So, I'm with, I'm with Harry's Lansdowne because I used to work for them. So I kind of understand the platform inside out. Um, but yeah, it's just, there's the same issue there where if you, if you say buy a stock and you make loads of money. So for me, I, I this was such a jammy investment, but I bought Tesla in January, 2018 and sold it late 2021. So, like, oh, like, nice, man! Yeah, I know, mate. I I, I I remember like posting on my story, and Wes was like, "Woo, party time!" <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, um, it's since gone down. Right, well, it got crushed. I think I, I got out at about eleven eighty dollars, and it went down to about six hundred. But it's I think it's now recovered a bit. It's like nine hundred now. But I'm still, I, I still managed to call the market, which I'm I kind of pleased with. But anyway, I I like made like a, a good amount of money, and when I when I crystallized the game um it, it basically my gain and loss figure like reduced loads in my portfolio just because the way it's displayed and it's it's like it's really annoying so i, I think for active traders like like you it's really you, you, you yeah portf- uh, the portfolio apps aren't very useful in terms of showing like your true return o- over a per- period of time yeah definitely
1: yeah um for me i use like a third party website that i found um so yeah it's called share site i think that's pretty you know useful to to use if you're trying to track your portfolio
0: do you want to just explain share site um Wes because i think i might look into that
1: um so share site you can you know i think you can actually import your portfolio um connect it directly to the website and it will um track it for you and you or you can just type it in it manually um. You can also do tax stuff on it as well. There's a lot of features on the website. It's very useful um, if you wanna, you know, track your portfolio in every bit of detail possible. And then you also can compare it to a different index funds. You can compare it to different stocks over time.
0: Okay. And so does it just <clears throat> track equity? So shares or, or can it track uh, funds as well?
1: Um, I think it can track funds as well. Yeah.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll definitely look into that because yeah, at the moment what I'm doing is I'm, I basically look at the, vi- the total value of my portfolio and then minus the, the total amount of new money that I put on the platform, mm. um, but, it, but it, I guess it will start to get more complicated if I say withdraw money and then add more money back in. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite, it's quite, performance is a, is a tricky one um, for sure um so so jack do you want to do you want to talk about any interesting uh shares that you have in your sites right now like what 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 are you what are you looking to do like in the next few months in terms of your investing
2: so um i mean i finished kind of building out my initial positions um i might consider just doubling my position size in, in in most of my um companies to be honest um, just because like I have a philosophy where I kind of only have like twenty bullets to use, and like when you buy a company that reduces by one, so I think I've already used maybe nine or ten, so I've only got ten companies left that I can add to my portfolio before it gets um basically too diversified um so I'm gonna probably double down in at least like seven out of ten of my stocks um i think airtel might be the next one for me to start buying more of
1: what about ford sorry sorry Wes. yeah what about ford
2: see i don't want to i don't want to i wouldn't be happy with the average price that's at the current market price you know it's currently at um fifteen dollars forty one and i think my average is uh Eleven fifty or twelve dollars or something. Okay, but I think um, I think Airtel is next for me.
1: Okay, do you want to just explain,
0: explain your sort of thesis behind that and what what the company does?
2: So Airtel is basically um, a service provider in they they operate in Africa in I think. Is it like six or seven countries where
1: Um, so they operate in like Nigeria, Nigeria yeah, yeah, all parts of <laughs> Africa. They got like they also got like a payment um segment as well. Um, they they're, they're like the largest in in that in the in that continent. So and they're growing really fast. Solid margin, um, good management. They literally decreased their debt by two times, three times. So uh, there's a lot of positives going going for that company um
2: and their market share is huge like in in the countries they operate in they've got like 50 percent of the market share when if you look at companies like o2 vodafone verizon like these guys are pretty much fighting for like a small piece of the pie when airtel has half of it so they're very dominant where they operate
0: where's the company listed
2: it's Um, listed on uh the london stock exchange yeah
1: so the company Airtel Africa, it's holding company is Indian, Indian, and then it operates in Africa and it's trading on the London stock exchange. Interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what's the, what's the ticker?
1: Um, what's the A F? Yeah.
0: Okay. <clears throat> cool. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, um, I'll check that out. Mm. I'll check that out. Um, so Jack, just, just just picking up on on um something that you said recently and that was on portfolio diversification <clears throat> so you you said something like i only have like uh, seven to ten holdings but i, I wouldn't want to have much more because then it would be too diversified can you just talk about what diversification means to you in terms of portfolio management
2: well personally i think it's it's a if you if you want to pick like let's say forty companies, it's going to be so hard to find forty companies that meet your criteria. But it's a lot easier to find, let's say, you know, twenty or under. And I think there's probably no need to to have more than twenty because you're just going to have to put in more work, more research, um, and your returns will probably be lower in the end. Because I, I I'm I'm really big on like going heavy on the stocks that are ready basically ready for you to go in on and stop trying to like force investments that aren't there
0: yeah i agree i think i think that's the thing you know as as a value investor and you're only buying individual stocks you're kind of spinning plates you know there's only so many hours in the day you only have so much energy and you need to continue to make high quality decisions on those names and if you're if you're spinning too many plates, you'll start to miss things. So yeah, I I I, I completely understand that. Um, like just just a just a quick follow-up question, Jack. And I know Wes is on the call, so try 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 not yeah. to have him sway your opinion on here. What's your view on passive investing for a portion of the portfolio from like a long-term standpoint?
2: I would say, to be honest, if the S and crashes like heavy. This year or next year i'll, I'll add them to my portfolio I, I have no problem doing that to be honest
0: fair and so and so what would that be you know like a fairly small allocation or would it be quite weighty did do, do you have any any thoughts on that
2: i'd say a, a minimum of like five percent maximum of ten percent um just because i guess my situation is a little bit different. I'm I'm self-employed, so it means like I would I wouldn't get a pension or anything like that. Um, so I'd prefer to just within my lifetime build up a small section of my portfolio to just be invested in uh ETFs eventually. But I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it at this price at the moment.
0: Right, and so <clears throat> I'm assuming you look at metrics like the buffer Indicator, which which look at US GDP. Versus the market cap of the S and P, like what? When when would you decide that the S and P was undervalued?
2: Like we at least have to be um, at or under COVID lows for me to um, consider to start looking at it. But I'd mainly, I'd mainly wait for um, people to give up on the stock market, and then that's how I know it's time.
0: <laughs> yeah, be, be greedy when others are fearful. Yeah, yeah, agree. What, what about you, Wes? Are you still very much um, nailing your colours to the mast in terms of just fully fully active or can you ever see yourself owning a, a slice of the S&P, for instance?
1: I mean, um, if it gets to, you know, an appropriate level, you know, um, if the market crash 50% or or below COVID levels, Jack says, um, I'll, you know, maybe consider adding small allocation towards the the SMP. But right now, just focusing on buying individual companies. Yeah. I,
0: I love how high conviction you are, Wes.
1: What? <laughs> what do you mean?
0: Well, no, it's just like, you, you, I mean, it's, it's really kind of refreshing that you just do so much research and that you, you're so happy with your approach. I think, I think some people who invest aren't that sure. Um, mm-hmm. but you, you obviously seem like you're very, very switched on in terms of where where your portfolio is going in the future. Um, so yeah, that, that sounds good. I think I'm a bit more kind of, a bit more on the fence about things sometimes, which is probably why I'm, I'm more passive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do get a lot of people saying, you know, I own too many tech, I own too many China. Um, I'm not diversified enough. But the thing is with me, I don't like to force stuff so i just you know like to take it one bit at a time and then let the portfolio naturally you know build itself that's the way i like to approach things so if people say i'm not diversified enough i own way too many not many stocks then yeah that's just me i'm just patient wait for an opportunity and just let the portfolio build itself
0: yeah and whereas in, and in terms of like adding new money and stuff, do you, do you try and do like a direct debit where a certain amount of money goes into the stock market every month? Or are you a bit more ad hoc in terms of adding, say, slightly larger amounts uh, more infrequently?
1: Um, so, you know, every month, I like to add a bit to my portfolio. So if, um, if a company is, you know, still cheap but trading below its intrinsic value, I'll allocate some money to that one just to build up the position. Um, for me right now, I need to build my position in Wix, and I want to buy a little bit more Warner Bros. and maybe look at Weibo. But yeah, there's still, you know, some more capital I could allocate to my portfolio.
0: Great. Um, another question that I just thought of now is, um, what what's your what's your view on holding excess cash like dry powder that can be mm-hmm. plugged into the stock market because like there, there are some, there are some people that talk about remaining fully invested all the time. I think, I think it was Howard Mark said, you should try and be fully invested, but, but tilt the portfolio based on where we are on the pendulum in terms of like yeah. how stressed the market is, which, mm. which I understand, but then there are other investors, which, you know, are happy to sit out with a lot of uninvested cash waiting for opportunities. What are your thoughts on doing that given where inflation's at, you know, 10% per annum? Uh, um
1: so for me right now one thing i regret is not having cash on the sideline i wish i wasn't fully invested but you know because i'm slowly building out a position i'm kind of fully invested but i would love where i'm like you know i have 20 percent cash or whatever i would actually love that so yeah for me it's good to have a bit of cash on the sideline you know ready to pounce on opportunities
0: And so you say that was up to 20% cash. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would love to have that amount, just sitting in cash. Just, you know, waiting for opportunities. Um, If you're a value investor, you have to have cash on the sideline, ready to, to pound. You can't, you know, just be fully invested. What if you just miss an opportunity? That's, you need to have a bit of dry powder on the sidelines, whether that's 5%, 10%, 15% cash, it's up to you, really
0: yeah that makes sense Mm. jack jack what what are your thoughts on holding cash
2: honestly like i'm in the same position as wes like i I think it's a necessary thing but at one point about five months ago i was pretty much all in cash because i sold my whole portfolio and i was just waiting um but since then i've pretty much invested everything i have um we have a friend diy investing dad and this guy, how much cash did he have? Like twenty five percent. Yeah. And like, we'll tell him about something we're looking at, and then he'll go and look at it himself. And then Monday morning he'll get back to us. He's like, oh, I've built a position," and we're just like, "Wow, man!"
1: <laughs> yeah, we're just like to have that privilege of having you know cash in the salad where. You know, someone pitch us a stock. we just go and do individual research without like the company. We just buy it the next time instead of waiting a month for payday or waiting till we got access to capital. So, yeah, once I build my position now, uh, I'll build a small cash position, you know, ready to take the opportunity when it presents itself.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think from where I'm coming from, uh, I just I have a, a direct debit where I just pay pay money into my ISA and, and lifetime ISA. And it's just, it's just invested every month into, into like, into like a global index fund. It's so boring. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, that that that's the thing. And, and if I ever feel like I have a little bit too, too much excess cash, I might do like an ad hoc investment. Um, but to be honest, like I, I don't think I'm wealthy enough really to, to make those sorts of decisions right now. It's very much a, yeah a rich person's problem really having too much cash um yeah so um jack just um just kind of stepping back a little bit you you mentioned that you're you're self-employed at the moment do you want to just like talk a little bit about about what you do
2: yeah so um for the past almost three years now i've just been working in construction so um yeah i'm so been self-employed for like three years the good thing about it is uh i get paid weekly so technically i don't really need to have a cash reserve because pretty much every friday i'm getting paid so by monday morning i've already shifted money into the markets but um yeah my i guess my investment um style kind of has to kind of has to look at the long term and say like i'm not going to get a pension so i've got a basically create something that i'm happy to retire on you know absolutely
0: yeah okay so so you so you're self-employed in construction okay and are you are you based in london
2: yeah london south london
0: oh cool i, I live in camberwell so sort of no way
2: bro i i literally lived like 20 minutes from you
0: Oh really? where do you live? Uh, New Cross Gate. <laughs> oh sweet. Oh nice, mate. Oh, well, if uh, I'm I'm up north this weekend. Just I thought I'd get out for the bank holiday, but um, yeah, know we could catch up at some point. I know where's you're in London as well, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. East. East London. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, yeah. Again, um, Jack, <laughs> you, you you mentioned like given that you're self-employed, you're not you're not paying to a pension. Um, like, do you wanna just give an overview as to what like what pension mean to you, and like how how you see yourself building that that nest egg uh, over over the coming decades. Because yeah, like with with the sort of reduced reliance on the government for state pensions, it's 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 very much in the hands of, of of individuals to sort themselves out. What what are your thoughts on pensions?
2: I mean, to be honest, I never I never wanted one anyway. Like I I I just believe in um investing your money for yourself. Um, like let's say. I wanted to retire at fifty, you wouldn't be able to take money out of your pension to, to do that. But if you actually own your own stock, so your own real estate, then like no one can tell you anything. So I'd much prefer to just build out a stock portfolio, build out a property portfolio, and um you could probably just live off the dividends and and, and the cash flow from the rent.
0: Yeah, completely. The only thing I'd say to that, Jack, is that if you if you pay money into a a, a private pension, so a SIP, uh, I'm not sure if you heard of that. You get tax relief on the contributions. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the, what what the numbers are exactly, but I think you could easily get 25% tax relief on on contributions, and you can invest that money. So it's it's, it's a really easy way of like compounding the returns, and you, and you can invest that money in individual stocks if they're eligible to be held in a SIP.
2: Yes yeah, interesting, but um, I think I'm just too set in my ways. I' had the moment to to
0: change Whereas, what are your thoughts on pensions? How important are they to
1: individuals to me some I'm, I'm not even sure it's not something I've looked into you know in great details, but it's something that I would like to look at um someone told me about this whole sip thing, so yeah, it's yeah. definitely something you know i would like to try and understand more of
0: yeah so so wes do you do you um i'm not sure what you do for for your job but like do you do you get a pension with that or, or are you um yeah that? um
1: no i get pension with that um that's something that i'm trying to you know set up and yeah i work in i currently work in retail so, so yeah i'm eligible for pension
0: yeah. Cause I guess, um, if, if you, if you have an employer, yeah. what happens is, is every month you contribute some of your gross income into the pot, but your, your employer contributes stuff as well. So okay. it, it's kind of almost, you can think of it as free money in yeah. a way, but the, but the catch is, is that it's tied up until you're, you know, 57 is probably going to be more for us, mm. um, in terms of where, where it's going. Mm. Um, and obviously, yeah, you can invest that as as you want. Um Again, this is something that people are talking about, and that is to really understand where your pensions are held, um, yeah. because there are some there are some companies that don't really care that much about the pensions they provide their employees, and they go into quite expensive funds that don't, aren't even very good. Um mm. So it's it's um, I think it's a good a good thing to do to yeah if you are building a pension to understand where it's being held and if you if you wanted to make adjustments you know to, to do that because you know we're dealing with like a 30 to 40 year time frame here and as you guys know about like compounding like the mm-hmm. difference like getting it right will result in a much better outcome than than getting it getting it wrong over over such a long time frame
1: yeah that's that's true to me that's, yeah
0: um great um so so jack um do you want to just like talk a little bit about why you started your your instagram account and also like talking about where where you can see that going in, in the future
2: yeah so honestly with my instagram account it it just started off as a personal account um i just just post about me to be honest i never really I never really wanted to post portfolio updates, but Wes told me, like, I just have to start, you know, because pe- people would like to see it. And I've I've got um, the majority of my followers are either investors, they're in real estate or they trade. So I just use my Instagram to kind of share what I'm doing. And um, I don't really know what what the future brings, to be honest, but I, I will post portfolio updates and um stuff like that.
0: Nice, and Wes, I mean, you, you've been you've been absolutely crushing the content over <laughs> last year. Um, it's been it's been really good. I, th- I think I think you found such a a good niche, and I think that's been that's being rewarded. And I, I know there are people that have joined around the same time as as us, and and they they've like stopped doing it. So like well done on on like being consistent with it. it is really really commendable. Um, but, but what um what can you see? yourself doing with with the account and is there any any interesting plans that you've got in the pipeline with with that um
1: just more of the same you know continue to bring out the same content you know hopefully people can learn something you know gain some sort of value from it um probably want to maybe you know branch out to some youtube content in the future but in the near near term it's just pretty much the same really
0: yeah but like who knows? In twenty thirty, you might be on like everything money <laughs> on, a, on a podcast with them. That would be great, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. But yeah, you know, just more of the same. We're, uh, I'm growing pretty fast, which is insane to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, well done. That's 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 great. It's incredible, really. um So, guys, just just finally, really. Um, mm-hmm. If if anyone wanted to to like get in contact with you or send you a message or anything, do you want to just like talk about the best way to to get in touch?
1: Okay, so to get in contact with me, just you know find me on Instagram at at Investing with Wes. Yeah, and that's that's the only way, really.
2: And yeah, for me, if you want to message me, then uh, at Zebu the Great. And if anyone wants to join any of our calls that we have. Like, feel free to send us a message, and um, we're more than happy to 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 have people on. You know,
1: yeah, we just like to just chill, you know, relax, just talk about stocks, you know, look at new opportunities. That's it, really.
0: Sounds class. I might join some of those calls in a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice guys. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, and thank you for for taking out your time over the over the weekend to to chat to me who obviously isn't quite as knowledgeable on on um <laughs> on actively managing your portfolio uh, but but yeah th- thank you so much and um i'm sure we'll speak soon thank you yeah. for having us man yeah
1: thank you for having me on Hopefully yeah guys again in the future we can have another chat
0: yeah absolutely all right guys we'll we'll take care and um yeah speak speak shortly all right bro. all right see you later bye. cheers guys bye bye Well done on making it to the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please can you leave a comment if possible and leave a five-star review. This will really help the algorithm. And also let me know which content really resonates with you. Uh, Thank you very much. Just one final note. uh, Remember that the podcast should not be regarded as financial advice if you are unsure of making any investment decision please contact your financial advisor.